Hey everybody, welcome back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode is powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which focuses on helping churches make disciples who can make disciples. For more information, check out navigatorschurchministries.org. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Tony. How we doing? Oh, better than I deserve. Random question of the day. Yep. This is our last episode before Christmas. We're okay. taking the next two weeks off. Yep. And uh, so I want to ask you a Christmas question. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? Oh. Please tell me it's the fruitcake. It is not, actually. Um, favorite tradition would be Christmas morning in our family. We reenact um, the Christmas scene. So really the kind of what we celebrate on Christmas Eve, right? So... Uh, G- Joseph and Mary going around trying to find a place to stay for the night, um, and then finding somewhere. Uh, so we do that as a family, uh, sign parts and all that of the innkeepers and whatever. I normally end up being the donkey, which is you know maybe appropriate, but um, <laughs> yeah, so but that's a lot of fun. The kids really get into it, so that's probably mine. How about you? Um, I would say that. For the last several years, one of the things that we've really enjoyed is um, Karen makes cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. Mm. And so um, after uh, a while, the presents are being open, a a nice warm cup of coffee and cinnamon rolls feels like Christmas morning to me. And also my family is one of those families. We get matching PJs. Awesome. Wow. Really cool. What? Well, okay. sometimes, sometimes I, I'm not always a fan of the matching PJs, but here we are. I'm a fan of the way it makes my kids feel. There you go. That's awesome. Well, regardless of your tradition, if you're listening, um, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, today, we're talking about uh, a principle in disciple making that I think is really, really important. It's called the trumpet principle. And it starts, uh, really it derives from this verse, 1 Corinthians 14.8. It says, if the trumpet doesn't sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? If the trumpet doesn't sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? And the answer seems to be uh, very few, very few, if any. Um, Now, there's a practice, and kind of this goes back, some biblical background here. There's a practice of sounding a trumpet in preparation for getting ready for battle. We see it in the Old Testament in Exodus 19. And of course, with the walls of Jericho and Joshua 6, where they marched around, and then when the trumpet sounded, uh, they were to um, wait, and the walls fell. That was kind of the attack. But um, the trumpet principle, Tony, what what does it make you think of when you hear about the trumpet principle? I, I mean, so obviously, my military background, we use trumpets to call troops to action all the time. And um, there are uh, always trumpet calls that require certain actions uh for example in the morning when they play reveille you know you know reveille dun, 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 i wish i had a trumpet i would play it right now <laughs> but they use reveille as a way to wake us up and get us moving right and they mm. use retreat as a way to end the duty day right and so um reveille and retreat are trumpet sounds that create a clear call to action. It reminds us both that that tr- that we not only need to be a part of the movement, 
but it reminds us of the service and the sacrifice. You know, e- even taps, if you've ever been to a military funeral, the trumpet plays with taps, each call very distinct, very um, pointed, and very uh, clear about what it stands for in terms of what a call to action is. Hmm. No, I love that. I love that you have all that military background, which I don't have, um, but it really adds a fullness to this this concept of the trumpet and the principle of the trumpet of sounding and moving people towards action. And, you know, Tony, this holds true for leaders no matter the context, right? So if you're trying to lead uh, people in your business or if you're a pastor trying to lead in the church or if you're a parent trying to lead in your family, if the people you're trying to lead don't know where you're calling them to go or what the task is, then they're not going to move, right? And so if the trumpet doesn't sound a clear call, if you as a leader don't sound a clear call, then the people that you're leading aren't going to move. And really in churches, if churches don't sound a clear call to make disciples, then who will make them? And again, the answer seems to be very, very few because in most churches, Tony, as you know, and I know, there's not a clear call towards disciple making. And it, it's a problem really in some churches. And it's a problem not only in churches, it's a problem in, in businesses and in families. We just need a focus of where we're going and how are we going to get there. And the sound of a trumpet call, making that clear sound is what makes a difference in moving people and people just kind of sitting around or moving in different directions. Yeah, and the, and the real tension with all of this is that um, churches ask for things all the time. There are call to actions literally almost at the end of every sermon that you hear, or it, it's not it's not just about the you know getting people to do something, sounding the call, but it's about getting clear and being consistent in the call. And, and this is really important because we live in this culture today, this consumeristic culture, and we've talked about it here before. This consumeristic culture creates so much noise. So it, it has to be more than just simply completing a task. It has to be more than simply um, asking someone to serve on the media team or the, the hospitality team. What we're talking about here is a very clear call to a change in culture. And I think that that's, that's really important. And so you, you and I want to help pastors and church leaders do this in a, in a really good way. And uh, not too long ago, you kind of wrote a blog about this. And yeah. so we thought it would be good for you and I to go through the, the four questions that every leader must ask if they're going to sound a clear call. And uh, I'll begin with number one. I'll begin with number one. The first question is, how does disciple making differ from what the church is already doing, right? How how does Mm -hmm. disciple making differ from what the church is always is already doing? And and I think, you know, we talked about this before. Common language creates common movement. And when we talk about a clear call, this is where you want to incorporate this idea of, of common language about defining disciple making, about making sure that it's relational, intentional, and reproducible, and that it's Jesus style disciple making. So it's not it's not programmatic. It's mm-hmm. not something like that. It's very different. It's creating a clear call to Jesus style disciple making and 
doing that in a very consistent way with common language. So um, yeah. I, I think that the that kind of that first thing is that this isn't, uh, we're not trying to get them to a task that can be checked off the list next Tuesday. We're trying to get them to a different lifestyle and that lifestyle is disciple making. So it's it's the first thing about it is is that it's it's much bigger than a giving campaign or a serving campaign or you know a habitat house. This is a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that because and it's really nice, not just differ, right? Although that's the way we phrased it, but it's really how do how do we distinguish it, right? For mm-hmm. yeah, distinguish is a are, much better word. Yeah, that are listening. Because we're providing contrast because what Tony, you and I have seen is that when we start talking about disciple making in a church, what most people do is they think about what they're already doing and they just put those things into the bucket of disciple making and they say, oh, yeah, I'm already, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And it makes sense why they're doing that. But if we're going to, again, have a lifestyle of disciple making, then we have to provide contrast for what we're talking about. OK, so it's not just what you're doing it's that and or it's it's maybe not some of those things you know if they're uh, extremely programmatic or um, non-relational practices well no no we're not really talking about that not that those things can't have a place or don't have a place in the church but we're talking about these things as jesus style disciple making practices and habits so Love that. First question was, how does disciple making differ from what the church is already doing? The second question we need to ask is, how do we make disciples as a church? How do we make disciples as a church? And what this question really gets at is, you know, as a church member, as a participant in a local church, am I required to make disciples individually? Is that what the call is here? Or is the call just for me to participate in the corporate making of disciples. And that's a very big difference in terms of what I'm actually responsible to do or what I'm asked to do, right? Because if I'm just asked to help with the corporate making of disciples, then I could say, well, <clears throat> you know, Tony, you're you're the one that's an extrovert. I'm an introvert, so you go be with the people. I'll sit back here and try to schedule things for you or I'll do administration or whatever it is I feel like my gifting is. And then together, we're kind of making disciples. Now, there's there's some uh, truth in that, right? We need to be serving one another. We need to be serving out of our giftings. But there's also some, um, some excuse <laughs> in that, right? There's like, right. well, I don't have to do this. I don't have to go be with people. I don't have to love people. I'm an introvert, so forget about it. Well, that's not exactly the truth of what God is calling me to do or who he's calling me to be, right? So I have to set aside my preferences because disciple making will cost me all that I am and it will move through my weakness as we've talked about before. And so really the answer is kind of both, right? God is calling us to make disciples as a church. Corporately, the the call is for the church as a whole, but it's also a call for me as an individual disciple. I am called to make disciples. And so I can't just sit back in my weaknesses and say, well, that's just not me. I don't know how to do that. God is calling each of us forward into uh, becoming uh, like him, right? And like he did, he engaged people, he discipled them, and he trained them to do the same. And that's what we need to do. So how do we make disciples as a church? 
Corporately, yes. Individually, yes. If we're only doing one of those, we're missing out on what God is calling us to do. And, and this is really important when you start to think about the sounding the, tr- the clear trumpet call, because as a communicator, whoever the lead communicator is going to be in this process, and whether that's a lay leader or a pastor or a church board, right? When we talk about building a disciple-making culture, it, it really does have to be a both and and not an either or. So, you know, the, the purpose of this episode is is not just about creating culture. It's about creating a clear call to the culture. And this mm-hmm. call has to be an individual call and it has to be a corporate call. And as we communicate this trumpet sound, so to speak, right? If we're going to play this metaphor out, yeah. as we communicate this trumpet sound, you're going to have to say both because people yeah. will want to delegate the responsibility to the church, especially as we you know, previously said, in this consumeristic culture, right? Yeah, that's so good. And not only do they need to say it, they their lives have to say it, yeah. right? So as leaders, if a leader's just standing up there saying, you got to make disciples, you got to go do this, and they're not actually doing it relationally, that call will not be heard, right? Mm-hmm. That will fall on deaf ears. And so as the leader, the one who's sounding that trumpet, you don't not only have to sound it with your words, you also have to sound it with your life. Okay, so the third question that we have to ask if we want to create a a clear call to action, a a good, clear trumpet call, is how will we equip church members to effectively reach people in their natural context? Let me say it again. How will we equip church members to effectively reach people in their natural context? And I want you to do me a favor. If you're taking notes or if you're looking at the show notes, I want you to circle, highlight, and underline natural context context. Because what we're talking about here in Jesus-style disciple-making, it's not a program. It's not something that can be done in the church. It has to be done where the people are. And the reality is, is that um, while there are always people in the church who could use a little more disciple-making, we want you to make disciples, and this has to be the call to action, wherever you're planted, right? And, And that's the example that Jesus gave to us relational disciple-making that happened in the normal rhythms of life. And this will be a different call than a lot of the calls that pastors and lay leaders and boards have usually made because we normally call people to actions that take place in the church or church-sponsored events. Really, what we're talking about here are personal disciplines that change where you are and how you think about it. So let me give you an example. When we're talking about this call to action to make disciples, it's not just like, hey, go get in a small group, sign up on the church website. That's certainly part of it, right? And we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater on this. But this call has got to be, um, each of us are called to make disciples in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our works, wherever the people are, regardless of whether or not they ever come back to church. And, and this is all part of this call that's, that gets really sticky, which is why we want to help you make it extra clear, because it'll, be, it'll feel counterintuitive. You're not making disciples to come to church. You're making disciples to follow Jesus. Mm, so well said. So well said. Uh, good. So the fourth one, fourth question, how will church leaders pastor people through resistance to personal disciple making? How will church leaders pastor people through resistance to personal disciple making? 
So it's no surprise that when we ask someone to change or to do something different, you can expect resistance. Yeah. Right. And so a church leader needs to not only expect that, but to be prepared to help people, to walk with them, to pastor them through that resistance. So one of the things that I've noticed is that there's a few different responses that come out when we start talking about disciple making in the local church. One of those responses is guilt. People feel guilty that, well, wait, I haven't done this. Once they, once they hear that clear call, they're like, well, wait, I haven't done it. And why haven't I done it? And then they start to feel bad about themselves. And they, you know, there's all this guilt that you have to help people overcome and untangle. And we've talked about that in previous episodes, a little bit about how we do that. But others don't, don't feel guilty about it. They just reject it. And they might reject it because they feel that guilt. And they think, oh, I can't handle that. This can't be right. Forget it. I'm not doing that. Others um, want to do it, but don't know how. Right. And so they have to begin to wade into that. And again, it's it hits into weaknesses of many people. If you're not very relational, there's a weakness there of, all right, well, I got to sit and relate to people and do that time after time after time. I don't know. There's other people that have insecurity around being intentional. Well, I don't know what I would share. I don't have anything to share. I mean, I could I could talk to people, but and so it's wading into that weakness and helping them with whatever that is. But and when you start sounding this trumpet call in a church context, you are going to face resistance. And if you're not willing to walk with them and pastor them through that resistance, um, they're not going to become disciple makers. And so that final question there is super important. How will church leaders pastor people through resistance to personal disciple making? So one of the things that I hope you see in this is that um, these aren't questions that can be really clearly wrapped up in cutesy little statements, right? These are questions that have to be wrestled with because when we're talking about a call to Jesus style disciple making, we're talking about a life changing, culture changing, church changing kind of call. And so I would encourage you, if you're a leader who's um, making call to actions like this, spend time in prayer about this, spend time fasting about this, really dive into resources uh, like Justin's blog or um, other episodes of this podcast that might be able to help you craft something that you can create that's reproducible, that you can live in. And then remember, as the seasons change, the culture uh, will change and the call may change. So the mission doesn't change, but how we articulate the call definitely could. Don't you think so, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. But the the mistake that's most often made is the call isn't sounded. Yeah. Right? right. And so if the call isn't sounded, who will make disciples? Well, our culture has shown us that very, very few will make disciples if somebody's not calling them and helping to equip them to make those disciples. And so that's why we're talking about this, right? Because we want every pastor, every church, every disciple to have this clear um, mandate in their heart, this clear conviction around, no, I'm here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And the only way I can do that is first to be a disciple of Jesus. And then I want to go out and make others. And so if we're not proclaiming that call, not only with our lives, but also in the ways that we communicate, uh, it's going to be real hard to get others to join us. And in a church context, 
it's really going to be impossible to have a disciple making culture if we're not sounding a clear call of disciple making in the church. Yeah, that's so good. The reality is, is that even an unclear call to disciple making is better than no call to disciple making. So yeah. Yeah. I know it can be scary, but go ahead and make the call, make the call. Uh, okay. Takeaway for today's episode. Disciple making begins with a clear call to action. Disciple making begins with a clear call to action. The action step, probably pretty obvious. Clarify your clear call to action and share it with a fellow disciple maker. Clarify your clear call to action and share it with a fellow disciple maker. Guys, we are so thankful to be on this journey with you. We're thankful for you listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It does help other people find the podcast. And hey, share this episode with that fellow disciple maker. We'd love to get the word out. As a reminder, we're off the next two weeks. No episodes until the new year. And in the new year, we're going to talk about the ever-tentious, always complicated pastor-congregant relationship. We're going to wrestle with the question, should pastors keep their distance from people in the church? The best way to make sure you don't miss it, hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys so much. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you real soon.